News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender Show joining me as he does on Tuesdays at 2 o'clock. It is Tim Moore, the Speaker of the North Carolina House. Speaker Moore, how are you, sir? I am doing well, Pete. I hope you're great today, sir. I, I am doing well as well. So uh, are you all finally done? Is this it? Is it over? Well, we're done for now. How about that? <laughs> uh, we, we, we're, we're only set to come back in and deal with uh, any litigation issues that, that come up. Of course, the redistricting litigation that's out there, which, uh, mm-hmm. I know, by, which by the way, we got a very uh, favorable ruling today. Yeah. Can you talk uh, about that? Like, can I circle back with you on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so schedule-wise, the plan is that, that we are hopefully done, but again, we're, we're here to deal with any litigation issues, redistricting, those kinds of things that may come up. And so we'll, we'll come back in on the uh, 30th, or, or excuse me, come back in the 10th, and then we come back the 30th. And, uh, but realistically, we're not going to really be back to around January 5th. That'll be a short thing. And then hopefully we'll be able to, to be gone for a few months. You know, we, we're supposed to be a part-time legislature, but it just hasn't felt that way for a while. Well, and that it, that that raises another uh, set of questions because I saw Brian Turner uh, from Buncombe County. He announced uh, that he's not running for reelection, and I think there are a lot of people, Republicans included, that were uh, surprised by it, but also kind of sad because he was a guy that a lot of people felt like they could work with. I got to tell you, he I mean, he's a Democrat, but he when I was in Asheville, he would call into the show, he would come on the show. So, um, like, I I give him a lot of credit for that, and. Uh, he just seemed like somebody that a lot of people could work with, um, and, and it wasn't really uh, a lot of animosity with him. But he says, like, it, it just it's taken up a lot of his time, this long session, and, you know, commuting from uh, Asheville into Raleigh, it's a long way to go. And uh, for a part-time legislative position, he just can't make it happen. The sacrifice is too much. You know, he's not wrong. Um uh, he's uh, he, he he's he's not wrong because it, but it has been a really really challenging year um, with you know with COVID and what all it did with the budget and just having to adapt to those uh, th- those challenges yeah uh, with the with the divided government with a, having a governor that uh, we didn't always see eye to eye with on things it just uh, it posed a lot of unique challenges and so it was uh, it, it just kind of led itself to to being a, a longer session. And then once it kind of got late in the year, we realized we were going to have to be here for redistricting anyway, so that it didn't make sense to kind of adjourn and then come back. We were we were still working, so it kind of rolled into the uh, legislative redistricting session, and we did that. And then, of course, we just finished up the budget. But I'm yeah. going to tell you, Pete, this what it's. Uh, I don't know. I've had somebody. Uh, I had one of my members compare it to like childbirth, right? To, to forget <laughs> how bad, it, how how painful, and how rough it was when the when the baby's there. Well. Uh, a lot of folks were talking about that when we finally had this budget that passed. We'd been here this long, and it kind of folks forgot how long and how rough a session it had been. Because you think about it, this budget we just passed is going to lower taxes, the lowest in the in the state in decades. Uh, it's investing infrastructure funds in wise ways. It's uh, reining in some of the governor's powers. It's doing a lot of great things, and so you know we're uh, it, it it feels a lot better now. It feels like maybe the time was was well spent. And, uh, and of course, I, I know the next topic is about the redistricting. And I think the yeah. fact that the court today ruled in our favor and not moving filing or uh, primaries shows that the court is recognizing that we did it right, that we, you know, we, we, we did this fair. We didn't gerrymander districts. We had a good uh, process in place. We had a great uh, product, and we've done something to really fairly 
uh, and fully represent the citizens of this state. So uh, I think we're I think things are going very well. I've seen uh, some of the reporting and some of the reaction uh, from this judge. I think Shirley is his name. And uh, the judge said or or they're saying that this ruling didn't address the merits of the case. It was procedural. Is that accurate or is that um, or or not? That, that's accurate. Uh, so okay. what? So, but but part of the procedural motion of taking this is the court has to rule whether or not the plaintiffs, those those challenging the districts, are likely to succeed on the merits of their case. And so, uh, by the court not granting that injunctive relief, that at least infers that this judge um, does, did not find that there was a likelihood of success on the merits of the case for the folks challenging the districts. And by the way, this same judge is also the chair of the three-judge panel that's going to be weighing on this case, I believe, either at the end of this week or sometime next week. So um, that, that I'd say that that bodes well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not spiking the ball over it or anything. I'm just, you know, I, I, it's what I came and said on your show and other places for now. I mean, we, you know, we followed the rules. We did it as, in as open and transparent and as reasonable process as we know to do it. And the net effect is we're going to have districts that make sense. They 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 don't you know they don't look weird. They're not gerrymandered. I mean they're they're great districts that we can all be proud of. Right. So the the ruling doesn't look at the rule. It doesn't look at um, whether or not the 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 districts were drawn properly or what data was used. Right. He didn't even kind of go in in depth on the lines and the rules and that sort of stuff. Right. I think uh, what I what I believe he he looked at was, is there a need to is is there such a likelihood that the plaintiffs will succeed on the case, uh, meaning to set aside the districts, that the court needs to stop the filing period and delay the primary, to give the court time to litigate the issue. Uh, a lot of folks would say that if the court felt like that there was something wrong with these districts, the court would have slammed the brakes on filing next week. I mean, if, if the court had a problem with them, why would the court allow filing to happen next week? Why would the court keep the primaries in March in place if that were the case? So that all bodes well. But at the, but in all fairness, that doesn't mean that the court couldn't come in and say, wait a minute, um, time out, we're going to undo this, everybody's got to file again and move. I mean, the court could still do that, but it would just seem to me unlikely for a court to go through that uh, get through those steps if gotcha. the court was going to ultimately not hold these districts uh, up as, as legal. Gotcha. Um, one of the things that no, was not in the budget, Medicaid expansion, budget gets signed, and now the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Mandy Cohen, is uh, resigning her post. So I guess writing's on the wall. Uh, as I understood it, she was kind of brought into the Cooper administration for the Medicaid expansion. So is that... Well, is that your read on the situation, or is that just uh, mine? <laughs> I, you know, in all candor, I don't know that there's a relation to that. I really don't, because um, I, I don't think so. Because she was—I mean, I think she might, she advocated for expansion, but uh, was never really in a position that—that's not something that she could deliver for the governor at all, right. and and frankly, that the governor could deliver. Uh, I made it very clear. Weeks ago, uh, when, when, of course, they were all uh, trying to put the pressure on me to, to, for the House to come along with this to, on expanding Medicaid, I said, we don't have the votes to do it, and we're not going to do it. And I'm not going to go in and try to twist arms and force people to vote against something that they are opposed to. So um, as a result, we did not expand Medicaid. And, of course, we ended up, just as I predicted, 
Mm-hmm. We got a budget passed. That's a great budget that did not expand Medicaid. We didn't need to do it. Now, I will say this. We're going to have to deal with some of this stuff that's coming down from Washington right now. We're going to have to deal with what the Biden administration is doing and what this you know, far-left Congress is doing right now by uh, passing all of these mandates and, and all this expansion of entitlement. And I mean, we're going to have to deal with that as a state. And I don't know, Pete, what we are going to do. We're going to we're going to hold the line as best we can to, to fight this this interference and this overreach. But I don't know ultimately how that plays out. And uh, I think that, that you'll probably see this issue as a conversation piece when we come back in the short session. And who knows how it'll play out. So here's uh, here's one. Jones and Blunt uh, on Twitter says rumors on Jones Street are flying that after initially turning down a, a Senate run, Mandy Cohen could indeed be preparing to enter the race after all. <laughs> Have you heard that? You know, there you go. There you go. I, who knows, right? Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> hey, look, look, I, I, I've told people this before, right? Uh, last election. Um, when, when or, or last year in 2020, when the governor was on TV, you know, like several times a week, and of course Secretary Cohen was there. I mean, they were pretty well known, not mm-hmm. always popular, right? But but well known, and certainly the, I would say that a lot of that probably contributed to the governor winning re-election. I mean, that's a lot of free airtime. I mean, that's a, that's pretty serious. What would it cost to buy that time, right? Well, um, if you have so to ask, you know, that's what they say. If you have to ask. You can't afford it. Right. There you go, right? So it's a lot, right? It's a lot more than this guy can afford. I, maybe you, Pete, you know what? I hear you got deep pockets. You're running in the right circles. You, you probably got the juice, man. You can afford it. But, you know, yeah. little Tim Moore from Kings Mountain, man, I can't even, I, I can't even envision numbers that large. So right? first step is to get a pandemic. Second step is to be governor, and then uh, and then I think that's how that happens for you. But yeah, look, I agree. I think that that being on TV uh, once a week for a year definitely helps, especially when you can control the um, the press corps that gets access to ask you questions through the you know the call screening software. I think right. it's a, it's a very effective strategy. It is. So, so I'm just curious. Yeah, well, how, why were you never asking those questions? See, I was always waiting for you to like do the zinger and like the little drums in the background and like just you know, like there he goes. I never heard you, man. Where were you? No, it's they. Yeah, thanks, they for, thanks for the drums. There you go. They never gave me the call in codes. I'm as shocked as you are. I never. All right, all right, Pete. All right, so I know a guy. I'm gonna find out for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you hooked up there. All right. Well, now they could do in person. I, but uh, but and also at the time I was just doing my lowly little old podcast. So, uh, but now you know now I think uh, I mean our guy uh, Brett Jensen he gets in he gets to ask some questions every now and again now that they've opened it up. But uh, and we'll see what happens today three o'clock. Governor's got another press conference uh, uh, COVID briefing today, so we'll see what he has to say. I guess. But uh, kept you way later than uh, than we planned for. I appreciate your time as always, sir. And uh, I guess enjoy your downtime. <laughs> Hey, listen, enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, in this session, by the way, it's been long, it's been tough, but we have great results at the end. And I'm, I'm just really proud of where we are moving the ball down the, uh, down the field. Um, it, it is, uh, it's been a great day and North Carolinians are going to like it when, you know, tax time comes around and they pay less taxes. Yeah. My problem is they're going to need that additional money to save because uh, uncle Joe's sticking it to us at the gas pump and every, for everywhere else. So, Hey, <laughs> We'll do the best we can, right? That's right. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, State Speaker of the House, Tim Moore from Cleveland County. Oh, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, take care. So, Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen stepping down 
as the uh, secretary. I've had the whole show to prepare for this. So I've got I got a ton of criticisms now. I'm just going to start kind of going rapid fire. Just boom, boom, hit her once, twice. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hang on. Oh. Man. Okay. So apparently I cannot. All right. I'm going to have to change my plan here. I was not aware there was apparently a burn ban in effect, so I cannot, I cannot engage in the burns. So Mandy Cohen is out as uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, and uh, she's going to step down from her position after nearly five years on the job. Uh, I mentioned this with uh, the speaker, but she was brought here. The, the conventional wisdom in Raleigh was that she was brought to the state by Roy Cooper to oversee Medicaid expansion, to put her in place for when we, uh, when he was able to get that done. And him signing that budget kind of sends the message it's not happening. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And, and then, you know, look, part of this is also going to be she has spent the last almost two years in a very high-pressure type of gig, Right. With the COVID briefings, like of all the times to be appointed Health and Human Services Secretary, like she walks in the door and then boom, here's a pandemic for you. So I I totally get it. You want to take some time off after the last two years. Um, is she going to run for? <laughs> I don't think she's going to run for, for U.S. Senate. But that's what you, I mean, you got a lot of FaceTime. She built up a lot of uh, name ID. In fact, I, I didn't even play this for uh, for the speaker, but you know he doesn't have a song named for him. He didn't have a song done for him. Mandy Cohen has got it going on. Mandy Cohen has got it going on. Mandy, are the positive test going down? <laughs> Will there be enough? This is not me. Got this virus trapped in your matrix. Not all of heaven's angels have their halo affixed. I don't even understand what but some of these words are. The thing I've never understood about this, that name Scott Buffington did this song. All right, so the thing I don't get about this is that why would you why would you do Hey Sloopy? Doesn't it make more sense? I don't know. Mandy? Right? Like the song's already got her name in it. It's already like a recognizable song. I mean, it's not a great song. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, just hang on. Sloopy, a great song to have done this to? I mean, <laughs> it's just terrible. Have you heard this, Mark Garrison? Have you heard this song before? This, this is the first I've just heard of. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let's turn it up. <laughs> Awful. Who is this? It's it's a guy named Scott Buffington. Yeah. And if you think the song is terrible, wait till you see the video. Oh, it's 
absolutely eye-gougingly bad. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got the governor's press release here. Governor Roy Cooper announced today that North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen, MD, will be stepping down from the agency after five years of service to the state. Governor Cooper has appointed Cody Kinsley, currently the Chief Deputy Secretary for Health and Lead for COVID Operations. He will succeed her beginning January 1st. Oh, all right. So I guess he's going to take over for her. Well, I don't know. It doesn't say when... Um, just says she's leaving DHHS in a strong position to continue to carry out its mission. Uh, Dr. Cohen plans to spend more time with her family while exploring new opportunities to carry on her work, improving the health and well-being of communities. Now, um, this means that two of the three people that were mainstays of our afternoon COVID programming are now gone, right? Mandy Cohen and Mike Sprayberry. Remember the director of emergency operations for the state of North Carolina. They're both gone. And I mean, who could forget this homage? Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Governor. I'm grateful for your commitment to ensuring our state moves forward responsibly based on science and data. Your leadership and the collective efforts of North Carolinians have prepared us to move into phase two. Oh, phase two. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. Appreciate your leadership. And uh, we're grateful that you have put these numbers together and it's something that uh, (laughs) the people of North Carolina can see for themselves. Thank you, Governor. I'm grateful for your steadfast leadership. And as we confront this challenging time for our nation, I thank you for your commitment to equity as we work to protect the health and well-being of North Carolinians. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your continued leadership during these unprecedented times and challenging times. Governor did great. I express our gratitude to you, Governor Cooper, for your steadfast leadership during these most challenging times. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your ongoing leadership and for the decisive actions that you continue to take to help protect North Carolinians during this pandemic. Yes, sir. Thank you, Governor. Uh, The Governor was right on the money with what he said. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Thank you, Governor. Thanks to your leadership, We've been taking aggressive action, and the good news is it's working. Thank you, Governor. Thank you for your leadership of Team North Carolina. I I think you did a great job, Governor. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. I don't think I could say better than the Governor. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. So continued stability in these trends is a real positive for our state and a testament to aggressive early action taken by the Governor Governor did great. So I did not replay any of those clips in that montage, except for the very last one. The governor did great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that was one of the things I did a side project over the last year. You know, in those uncertain times when I was on the lockdown, 
had a lot of free time, and I was like watching all of these COVID briefings. I just decided this really does deserve its own treatment, you know? Now, I did not put together a video. Now, I mentioned this with Mark's, uh, Mark uh, Garrison there uh, in the newscast. There is a video with the Hang On Mandy song. She was actually asked about it, too. There was a whole news story done on this guy, Scott Buffington, or maybe it's Buffington. I think it's Buffington. His video is him standing on a, I think I want, I want to say it's in Durham, but I, I don't recall exactly. I think it's in Durham and he's standing on a statue and the statue is, it's got like a couple people, whatever depicted doing something. And he has put masks on the statue and he's got, a guitar, an electric guitar that I believe is not plugged in, but he has an amp next to him that is, and, and then he lip syncs the whole thing. And he he doesn't even like pretend to strum the guitar, if I recall correctly. It's just the most bizarre video you've probably ever seen. And I don't know why he chose Hang On Sloopy as the song to change the words to, unless maybe that's just the song that he had the karaoke background music to. Maybe he didn't have Mandy. Maybe he didn't have the rights to play Mandy. Because he totally could have used Barry Manilow's Mandy song, right? Instead of this. It's just so awful. Mandy Cohen has got it going on. I mean, aside from being... Definitely not a cult of personality here. I can't believe all you people, you just love Trump so much. You like make songs about him and put him into memes. It's kind of crazy. And by the way, during this portion of the video, he's just standing there. It's very weird. Like, I think he's in love with Mandy Cohen. All your three degrees are Ivy League. <laughs> Does your family know you're a superstar? And the old North State is proud of who you are.
Is that really true, though? You're not really singing that. It's more like just screaming, hang on, Mandy. Yeah. And we're singing, hang on, Mandy. Yeah. Yeah. She was flattered. She was quoted. Bells are ringing. What? That's not a bell. Hey. And again, he's not playing this. He's just standing there, like kind of swaying back and forth in front of the statue. I don't understand it either. All right. I don't understand traffic. That's why we got Boomer Von Cannon. What's up, Boomer? Oh, you got it, B. <laughs> wow. It's going to take a lot of long necks to go through that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he tried. It's going to be one of them. <laughs> That's Pearl Jam. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Chris, I did get your email asking about Ernest Winston and the white fragility lady. That would be Robin D'Angelo. I'm going to get back to that stuff tomorrow. I'll take up your email then um, and answer it uh, tomorrow. But the short answer to your question was yes. Uh, the, uh, the other answer to your question is right now, if you're asking, Hey Pete, how can I win a pair of tickets to the subway ACC championship game? It's right now. If you want to be, what do you say? What number you want to go with? Seven. Seven. All right. Sure. The seventh caller right now at 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110 will get a pair of the tickets to the Subway ACC Championship game. It is going to be on Saturday, 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 December 4th at Bank of America Stadium. Your chance for a pair of tickets to go see the ACC Championship game right now. Seventh caller at 704-570-1110. Ryan is, uh, well, he is standing, standing by for your call. Good luck to one and all, but only one may win, at least, well, at least for this show. I'm not the only one giving away the tickets, so... Uh, you know, be listening all day because everyone's got a pair. Everyone's got a pair. They're giving them away. I don't like the way that sounded. I'm moving on. An investigation was launched into accusations that a top indigenous health expert in Canada faked a Native American heritage. Her name, Elizabeth Warren, coincidentally. No, I'm kidding. Colleagues say that the indigenous health guru is of European descent. <laughs> so, I'm trying to keep this straight. Does this indicate that there is some sort of, uh, what shall we call it, advantage? Some sort of, I don't know, what, privilege? Maybe some sort of a privilege that the person would have who's a white person claiming to be not white. That they recognize that there is some sort of advantage there. It does sound kind of weird, doesn't it? Like, why else would you do something like that? Why else would you adopt that kind of fake story? Carrie Barasa is her name. She's made quite a name for herself, according to Paul Saka at The Blaze, theblaze.com. Um, she has made a name for herself as a Native American activist, because of course she has. Barasa is a professor of indigenous health at the University of Saskatchewan. 
She's also the scientific director at the Institute of Indigenous Peoples Health and Institute of Aboriginal Peoples Health. I don't know why you would call it that. It's a very weird name. Institute of Indigenous Peoples Health and Institute of Aboriginal Peoples Health. Uh, She also owns a company called Infinity Consulting. Indigenous Strategic Planning, Indigenous Health Consulting and Research, Education and Development. So she has definitely carved out a bit of a niche for herself here. (laughs) During a TED Talk at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon in 2019, Barasa appeared in a blue shawl with her hair braided in cornrows and then ex- and was accessorized uh, the hair there with a feather. She put a hair, uh, put a feather in the hair in the cornrows. Uh, she says, my name is Morning Star Bear. And she's getting emotional. She's tearing up as she's doing it. She's crying, tearfully telling the audience and then uh, claiming she's Native American, she said, I'm Bear Clan. I'm Anishinaabe Metis from Treaty 4 territory. However, not everybody was sold on Barossa's origin story, especially Winona Wheeler, Associate Professor of Indigenous Studies at the University of Saskatchewan. So it's her colleague. Her colleague, at the college <laughs> is not buying it, which man, after this, like, whoo, that's an awkward faculty lounge, right? At the university of Saskatchewan, you've got an associate professor of indigenous studies, Winona Wheeler, and she's not buying morning star bears story. And so by the way, Wheeler is a documented member of Manitoba's Fisher River Cree Nation. So Wheeler researches the genealogical records of Barassa's family and finds that her ancestors hail from Russia, Poland, and Czechoslovakia. <laughs> so not, not exactly indigenous Native American. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation published an expose on Barassa's heritage last month. Five days after the article was published, she was suspended from her two government jobs. She got two government jobs? That's impressive. She was suspended as the scientific director of the Canadian Institutes of Health Research's Institute of Indigenous Peoples Health. All right, seriously, guys. Like, you got too many names. These, these, These buildings, how do you fit all of this stuff on the side of a building? The Canadian Institutes of Health Research's Institute of Indigenous Peoples Health. This is like the redundancy department of redundancy. Don't you think? It's, it's kind of redundant. Anyway, she got placed on leave also as a professor in the University of Saskatchewan College of Medicine in the Department of Community Health and Epidemiology. Um, the university hired uh, a lawyer to investigate the professor's indigenous claims. And when asked to provide proof of her Native American heritage, Barasa allegedly changed her story. She started talking something about the high cheekbones or something. No, I'm kidding. She said actually that she was adopted into the tribe. (laughs) She was adopted into the tribe by a friend. 
of her deceased grandfather, who is from like Niagara Falls. You totally wouldn't even know him. <laughs> wait a minute. Are you? Wait, all right. So, so the story was that you're this that you're a morning star bear, and then when you get busted. You you then change your story to that you were adopted by a friend of your dead grandfather. She said, quote, even though Clifford passed, those bonds are even deeper than death because the family has taken me as if I was their blood family. In turn, I serve the Metis community to the best of my ability. Jeanette Smiley, who is a Metis tribe professor at the University of Toronto who worked with Burasa on a book about indigenous parenting, ripped her colleague saying, quote, it makes you feel a bit sick and then called her an imposter. So I don't think they have the same view of the adoption thing that you may have thought they had there, Ms. Burasa. All right, that's a wrap for me today. I appreciate it. Brett Winterbull up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Don't break anything while I'm gone.